hearts will be receptive. And uh, we will be doers of the word. Well, good stuff. Thanks for uh, being here tonight. And uh, I know I've met some new people here tonight, so really appreciate the fact that you would come out and uh, take some time to be with us. And I hope you're having a good time and hope you're able to meet some new friends. And and, uh, I think we even have some chocolate candy afterwards. So if this goes bad, you know, you still have chocolate. And so that's that's always good. Um, We've uh, this semester, we're looking at the prophets of the Old Testament and uh we're looking at Elijah and Elisha, and so we're going back about 800 years before the time of Christ. So that's the section, and we're going to be looking at 1 Kings 17 tonight, which is up here. And uh, But a lot of times, we talked about last week, the Old Testament kind of gets overlooked, or we feel like there's too many genealogies, or the names are really weird. Uh, we just can't figure it out. We almost think, well... God must be different. There's a lot of blood in the Old Testament, and but now we have Jesus, and He's nice and, and graceful and everything. And sometimes people think, well, the God of the Old Testament, He's a different God. But what I want to say is, no, that really the God in the Old Testament is the same as the God in the New Testament. There is grace and mercy and justice in the Old Testament. There's grace and mercy and judgment even in the New Testament as well. That uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But... Uh, it's really important to know the Old Testament, even though you have, we have a tendency in our culture to like just read the New Testament, just read about Jesus. Uh, even most of our studies are on the New Testament. Um, but it's almost like when you, when you ignore the Old Testament, who, who out there would like to go to a movie and go into that movie with a quarter left of the movie? Because that's basically what you do. When you ignore the Old Testament, it's like you turn to the, the last quarter of the game. Now, in basketball and football, sometimes that is the important quarter. And in the Scripture, it is important as well. But uh, the Old Testament is rich. It's rich with the Gospel. All these stories, we want to show you how they actually point to Jesus. It's not They're not just about these characters or about living a moral life or uh, just following. We're going to look at Elijah. It's not about like, oh, if I could just be like Elijah and wear you know, a camel skin suit and eat honey and locusts out in the wilderness, then I would really be a good Christian. That's not what it's about. Okay, All of these characters are pushing forward and they're pointing to Jesus. And so that's what we're going to look at. So uh, here it is, 1 Kings 17. And, and the background, if you were here last week, is... Uh, Israel is really in bad shape at this point. The kings of Israel have gone against God, and instead of worshiping God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they've said, we want to worship Baal, which was basically the God of the earth and the God of the storm. And they believe that uh, if they would do things like sacrifice their children, uh, if they would do all kinds of ceremonies, cut themselves, etc., that somehow the Baal God would awaken and He would rain down on the land. He would bring fertility. Uh, they even had sexual ceremonies uh, in their temple because they believed that if we commit the sexual act, that will bring Baal. Baal is the God of fertility and Baal will rain down on us as well. And so you can see why it was such a popular religion okay, for Israel and it was very tempting for them to, to get into Baal worship because it was very passionate and very filled with uh, sexuality. And so, 
Uh, that's the background. So Israel is full of Baal worship and uh, God sends Elijah the prophet to awaken them. So here's what God says. Here's First Kings 17. Let me read that for you. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty. According to the word of the Lord, that he spoke by Elijah. Okay, so we see this miracle of God in the Old Testament coming through the word of Elijah. And I just want to point out a few things in this passage about what is God doing. A lot of times when you come to the Bible, people say, well, what, am I, what should I do? What should I do? Tell me what, should, what I should do. Well, first, it's always good to say, well, what is God doing? And then, in, and then we respond to what God is doing. Okay, so in this passage... God is doing a lot. And the first thing He's doing is He's sending His Word, His prophet, into a very dark place. Okay, He's sending Him out of the bounds of Israel to this place called Sidon. And so it says, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. This is Elijah's commission. He... at at this point, was somewhere near a, a brook being fed by ravens. That was last week's story. Okay, That's like the verses right, right before this. It wasn't Ray Lewis, but he was being fed literally by ravens, bread and, bread and meat every day. And now God comes to him again. He speaks to the prophet and he says, Go, I want you to go to Sidon. But Sidon was, was awful. This was basically the heart of Baal worship. This is where it all started. This is actually where Jezebel... Uh, who was the king Ahab's wife was from, and she was from that area, and this is where the pagan worship of Baal like came out of. And so he's basically saying, Elijah, my prophet, I want you to go to the darkest, the most awful, sinful place you can think of, and I want you to go there because I have somebody there for you to talk to, uh, to go to the heart of Baal worship. Why? You might ask, well, why was God doing that? Well, guess what? God, all through the Bible, is the missionary God. That God had told Israel years before to Abraham, He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but I'm not just going to bless you and your descendants. He said, you know what? I'm going to bless the world through you. 
I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. So even back all the way in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, God's already saying, this good news that I have, the blessing that you would be, that I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless other people, that's not just for you. That's for the nations. I'm going to send you. But guess what happened? Israel basically got fat and happy themselves. They, they enjoyed the goodness of God. And then they kind of forgot about God. Just like we do. Just like I do. It's real easy when things are going well. You know, to just take it easy. And uh, so they forgot about God. And, uh, and they, they were always supposed to go forward with His Word. That God was going to bless the nations through Israel. And so, here He is again in the darkest time of Israel when Baal worship is all around. When Israel itself, you would think that God would just say, Elijah, stay in Israel. Convert them. They've like forgotten me. No. No. He says, Elijah, I want you to go to this other country. And I want you to preach... My word there. There's a widow there I want you to talk to. And part of the reason is God, because of Israel, because they had continually rejected God. They continually said no to God. We like the Baal worship better. He was kind of judging them. He was taking the word out of their midst. It's kind of a sad thing here. And he was taking Elijah, the prophet, who represents his word, and he was saying, Elijah, I'm going to send you to Sidon, to this widow. And so that's what he does. And uh, what was he doing? He was, he was confronting again these idols of Baal. And if you remember from last week, Baal was all about the storm. And God said through Elijah, it's not going to rain except by my word, not your word. You can do all the ceremonies you want, do all the child sacrifice you want. Guess what? I control the rain. I control the storm. I am Jim Cantori, and I am going to make it rain when I want... Nobody got that. Uh, uh, I'm going to make it rain when I want it to rain, not Baal. And so, to some extent, God again is saying uh, to the nations and to Israel that He is the sovereign God. He is the King. And so, uh, as you think about this yourself, um, do you want to get in line with God's purposes here at the University of Maryland, His purposes are for you to go. His purposes for you are not to just be concerned about just the people that are around you, maybe people that are your good friends who are believers, who have heard all these things before, but He wants you actually to go to the dark places on this campus. He actually wants you to develop relationships with people maybe that don't believe like you or don't look like you or don't think like you. He wants you to love them. He wants you to serve them. He wants you to go and have conversations with them and to talk with them and to love them and to serve them. Christianity is not about being you know, introverted and just a happy club to ourselves. That what God is doing all the way through the Old Testament, He's saying, Abraham, go. (laughs) I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. Elijah, go. I'm going to make you a blessing to this widow in Sidon where Baal worship reigns. And He's calling us to do the same thing. And so, don't be like Israel. Don't reject that call. Don't reject His Word. 
don't just get caught up in and and the thing that we do too is we just get caught up in our own idols. It's not it might not be Baal worship. It's obviously probably not Baal worship, okay? <laughs> but guess what? Fill in the blank. It could be idols of uh relationships. Relationships are good. These are all good things. But maybe we make them our ultimate thing. You know, this is what sin is. We take something good, a good gift of God, a relationship, and we say, that's my everything. And if I don't have that person, I'm going to be depressed. And I'm not going to be able to make it through life. And uh, we might do that over and over again. Uh, It could be other things. It might just be the treadmill of, of GPA and getting the right job and the right career and the ladder of success the american dream and we can see, and those are great things having a 4.0 okay passing your classes is a good thing you should do that okay but it can also you know how it can work it can become everything you can take all of your time it, you can be consumed you can be stressed out you can be depressed because maybe you don't get the grades you wanted to you don't get that job you wanted to and so you're just heartbroken and maybe you're miserable to everybody around you it's because I mean, you should be disappointed if you fail. But if it, if it makes you suicidal, that's like an over-love of that thing. And what the Bible is saying is, unless you have the God of the Bible in the middle of you, unless you have Jesus and His love and acceptance in your heart, you're going to make anything else try to meet that. I mean, it's, the, it's like that old song, I've got a hole in my heart. I think it was from the ni- early 90s. But anyway, that's what we are spiritually. We all have holes in our hearts. We all have this vacuum. And we try to put different things in there. And if we don't put the God of the Bible, Jesus, in there, we are going to come up with disappointment. And so, that's what we do. Fill in the blank. Are you doing that? That's what Israel was doing. That's why they were all consumed with themselves and they didn't care about anybody else. Second thing is this. God sustains those who have faith in His Word. One of the biggest parts of this story is that we see this woman who worshipped Baal all of a sudden now worship the God of Elijah and obey the word of Elijah. It's it's an amazing passage which shows us what true faith is, true believing and obeying. And so in the passage, there's this real test of faith going on. You know, Elijah shows up. It's a drought. In fact, we know that this drought went on for three and a half years. Everybody was dying. It was famine. I mean, so he meets this woman. She's picking up sticks. And uh, he calls to her and says, give me a drink of water. She's going to go do that. And he said, by the way, can I have a uh, cake as well? Could you bake me a little cake? And, uh, and she says, listen, I am going to prepare my last supper, basically. You know, I'm going to make, I've got a little jar of oil here. I have some, I have some flour. And this is literally my last supper for me and my son. And then we're going to die. That's how bad. The drought was. That's the famine. And so Elijah has the nerve, because God told him to, to say, I want you to go. That woman is going to feed you. Okay? He's going to feed you in that crazy camel skin thing that you're wearing. And he's, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to supply your needs through this woman who doesn't even worship me. So he asks her. And so what does she do? She does it. She believes, she does as Elijah says. She makes the little cake with the flour and the oil. And there's this incredible thing that goes on. There's this miracle of God. Every day, 
She makes him a cake. She goes back home, looks in the jar. Hey, there's more flour and oil. She does it again and again. What's going on? Well, God is taking her faith and He keeps supplying her need and Elijah's need. And we know that there's an amazing thing going on here. We know this this passage is about what it means to have true faith. Because guess what? This passage Jesus talks about, Luke chapter 4. Okay, And this is just a good way to look at the Bible. Whenever you're looking in the Old Testament, it's always good to understand it. I wonder if Jesus said anything about it. Or I wonder if the Apostle Paul said anything about it. That's how you interpret what's going on. So, this passage was easy because Jesus like told me what the, Jesus said what this passage means. Okay, in Luke four, here's what he says. Um, let me just like explain it. So Jesus is preaching his first sermon. We read we read at uh, the beginning of of the uh, time tonight about Luke chapter four, and he's and he's preaching out of Isaiah sixty one, and he's talking about how he's come to proclaim the good news to the poor. He's going to set the captives free. Uh, he's going to proclaim liberty. He's going to set the oppressed free. He's going to open the eyes of the blind. And uh, he's preaching this sermon in his hometown. Okay? And all the people are like, Reverend Jesus, that is wonderful. We love that. Like, that is beautiful. Thank you. We know who you are. We know that you're from our town. Uh, and then they start saying, Hey, is this not Joseph's son here? Jesus, Reverend Jesus? It's a wonderful sermon. Thank you for preaching that. And Jesus basically gets radical on them. And uh, they try to kill him. Literally, they try to kill him after this sermon. And he says, um, he, they, they, they wanted him to do a miracle. They said, what we have heard, what, we, we've heard what you did at Capernaum. Do here in your hometown as well. In other words, they were saying, Jesus, that's a nice sermon and everything, but guess what? We want miracles. We want to see like something incredible happen. And Jesus is Jesus goes back to this story in 1 Kings 17. And he says this, But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months. That's how we know it was three and a half years. And a great famine came over all the land. Elijah went was sent to none of them, not to Israel, not to my hometown, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. What was he saying? He was saying, guess what? You, Israel, you, my hometown, you rejected me. But this woman over here has not rejected me. She's loved me and she's believed me and I have gone to her with my word. And so Jesus is indicting them. He's saying that grace comes to people who need it. He's saying grace comes to people who are desperate. Grace comes to people who don't have it all together. Grace comes to people who fail. Grace comes to people who are widows and having their last meal. And they can't do anything. And so Jesus makes that passage as the point of saying that Israel, you have not believed in me. My hometown, you've not believed in me. That the point of faith, if you really want to come to know God, is you have to believe in His Word first. You have to believe in His Word first. And this is what does this mean? This this is this is a problem because in our day, a lot of people use God or think of God as kind of like Santa Claus in the sky. Like God, if 
I do this. Like if I go to church or if I stop sleeping with my girlfriend or if I um, pray a lot or try to be nice to people or try to talk to my parents, then you will bless me and give me that job or you'll get me out of this rut that I am or you'll help me pass thermodynamics. Okay? He, you know, we kind of bargain with God. And we think that like, okay, uh, you know, I, I need to do these things and then God, God will love me. Or I was talking with a friend and he was mad at God because he felt like um, God wasn't doing anything for him and his life is just really depressing right now. And so he was basically blaming God for his life and just doing whatever else he wanted to do, but he wasn't he wasn't believing God like the Bible talks about faith. The Bible talks about the fact that we should believe in God and have faith in God. Not to bargain with Him. Not to make some kind of deal with Him. Not to say like, hey, if I do this, you'll, you'll do that. That's, that's religion. That's what every other religion believes. Every other religion says, I'm going to do all these things and then God, you bless me. I'm going to do all this and then God, you're going to bless me, right? Christianity says, the God of the Bible says, we love Him and obey Him and believe Him just because He's our Creator and our Savior, just because of who He is and we're His creatures. Just flat out. Even if we don't get what we want. That's radical. Just because of who He is. The fact that you're breathing air, the fact that you're sitting in here and you can hear me, see me. He's saying, you need to worship me because I'm, I'm your God. Just because of who you are, not because of what you might get from me. That's what the God of the Bible is saying. Just flat out faith. Faith in Him, love for Him because of who He is. Not because of now I'm going to get what I, something from you. That's a radical thing. People in our culture don't really believe that, but that's what was going on with this widow. She had nothing. She, she had this one little thing of flour and oil. And Elijah said, guess what? Here's the test of faith. Make me a cake first. What? Just flat out obey you, believe you, make you a cake? Now, he had a promise there, too. He said, listen, if you do this, I'm gonna, you know, God is going to supply you. And he did, every day. And so... With the God of the Bible, He does promise us spiritual blessings. There's no doubt about it. If you are feeling guilty and full of sin and far away from God, God promises you tonight that you can call on Him and say, Hey, my life's a mess. I need Jesus. And He will come and He will meet you. And He will give you forgiveness. He says, Today is the day of the Lord. Call on Me. He will forgive your sins. He will give you every spiritual blessing in Christ. He will give you forgiveness. He will give you eternal life, which is not just in the future, but right now. Abundant life. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get that job or get that girl or get that house. But God's grace, He gives us a, a ton of blessings. But true faith is faith in His Word, just believing and leaving the results up to Him. Now, by His grace, He provided for this woman and He provides for us. And so, if, you, if you're not a Christian and you're thinking about it, think about this. Um, do you believe, is the God you have in your mind just a God who blesses you based on what you do or you don't do? That's bargaining. The God of the Bible says you can't do anything. <laughs> that you're a sinner and you're separated from me. 
And you need me to do everything for you. And that's what Jesus did. That He becomes the one who lives a perfect life that we couldn't live and dies the death that we deserve in order to give us eternal life. I mean, that's what Jesus did. He lived the life that we were supposed to live to love God and to love other people and to obey Him and love Him. We couldn't do it. But Jesus comes down and that's what He does. You see, because really what this... What this uh, story is all about. It's a pointer to Jesus. It's a pointer to Jesus that actually every prophet in the Old Testament, including Elijah, is actually pointing ahead to the Lord Jesus who is the ultimate Word of God. Uh, who's the ultimate Word of God who gives commands and promises life. And so, just as God sent Elijah to Sidon, guess what? He sends Jesus from heaven to earth to us. Okay, He sends Jesus from heaven to earth to take on flesh, to preach the good news, to love people, to show us who God really is, and to do things that we couldn't do for ourselves, and to give us His grace, and ultimately go to the cross and die for us. I mean, that's what Jesus does. He's the ultimate Elijah. He goes to a foreign place, an idolatrous place, the earth, where we are, sinners, who've said no to God. And He says, I love you. And I'm going to die for you. I'm going to reconcile you. That's what he does. He, and, and not only that, but Elijah speaks the word of God to the woman to give up, to give up her last meal. And Jesus, the same thing. He calls us to trust His word. He calls us to just flat out trust His word, not our own word, not our own ideas. He just says, "Listen, I'm the God who made you. I've got the instruction manual right here, and uh, listen to me and believe me." And look to me. Do it. And you'll find that life works. That His way is the right way. You'll find that it fits with reality because He's the God that created reality. But you have to trust first and believe first and act on that. Not wait for God to bless you and then you'll trust. That's what his hometown did. They were waiting for the miracle first. Then they would believe. Jesus is saying, no, believe. Believe like the woman. Believe like the woman. Now, the woman had an incredible amount of faith. (laughs) She's dying, and Elijah from the foreign country shows up and says to do this. Now, she was desperate. And she probably thought, gosh, I only have one meal anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. But, you know, think about us. We have all of the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. We have Jesus who's come. We've had His life, His death, His resurrection. We've had 2,000 years of church history. We've had all of these things where God, time and time again, has proved faithful to people, to the church, to you. We have all of this. We have His Word to trust and to believe. We have so much more. Um, and so the call for all of us is to believe, to distrust and obey, to believe in His Word and what He has done as the greater Elijah, as the one who really came down to desperate people in a desperate situation and offers us life through His Word. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So each week, we're going we're gonna to just look at another story of these prophets, Elijah and Elisha, for the next few weeks. And then we're going to get into some of the other prophets. So I hope you come back. Um, if you have questions, um, we, I'd love to talk to you. Um, and, uh, you know, we want to we wanna interact. And so uh, we're going to sing another song. And then if you want to hang out and eat chocolate or 
or something, um, we're going to do that. So folks are going to come and we're going to sing again. Let me pray first. Father, thanks for uh, this time just to look at Your Word a little bit. And uh, pray that You would help us understand it. Uh, help us to uh, think about it. And uh, Lord, that You would challenge us and uh, give us also Your comfort through it. Uh, that we can know that there's a God who comes into the darkness to help people that are messed up. And He gives us His very self. We thank You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen.